Welcome back. We're in Revelation 18:4. Let's go. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4 says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven. God has remembered her inequities. Remember to her just as she render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, makes a double for her. In the measure measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow, and will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine. And she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. So verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven. So this is either another angel, and God is using this angel as an instrument for God's vengeance and judgment, or this could perhaps be the voice of Jesus himself. Um, I'm not sure. And it says, Come out of her, my people. One reason that lends itself to, perhaps this is Jesus saying this, is come out of her, my people. But of course, my people doesn't necessarily mean it's Jesus. It could just be like me saying, you know, my people, my family, my friends, something like that. The angel could call that as well, or when I say my brothers, my sisters in Christ. So, but here's what's important. It says, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins. So think of that word, come. I come out of her. My people, um, my people probably means tribulation saints rather than unbelievers. So who's he addressing here? Uh, I believe it's probably the tribulation saints, which are those who entered into the tribulation as unbelievers rejecting Christ and during the tribulation came to recognize that Jesus is Lord and they declared him and to be their Savior and invited him into their lives and they're known as tribulation saints. So in the Old Testament, those who believed by um, believed in God that you could that he would forgive you and give you eternal life through faith and not by works. They are known as Old Testament saints. People who do that right now during the present church age are known as New Testament saints. And people who will do that during the tribulation, those who enter in the tribulation, unbelievers, but become believers, place their faith in Jesus during the seven-year tribulation, will be commonly known as tribulation saints. At least that's what we refer to them as. Regardless, God calls us to him and wants us to worship him. Because it is how we get peace and joy. Although the religious Babylon is destroyed, the infection of commercialism still remains. There's a huge Jewish population still in Babylon. Though many have fled to Bozer or Petra, many still remain in Babylon and even partake of those sins. It's one thing to be amongst unbelievers and shining upon unbelievers. Remember that we should be in the world and not of the world. We should speak to unbelievers, but live lives that show that we are not partakers of the things that they do. God calls us out from among them to be separate. He makes a separation. That's that sanctification process. That doesn't mean we go to, we can't witness to sinners or unbelievers because we can witness and we're called to witness to sinners and unbelievers. We, in fact, ourselves are are sinners. Even after we accept Christ, we continue to sin, but our Sins have been cleansed by the blood of Christ, but it doesn't make us sinless because we won't be sinless until we get to heaven when we're glorified through life. We're just going through the sanctification of becoming more like the character of Jesus, but we are still going to sin. 
And we should be around those who sin, but we don't want to just sit in that camp, right? So if someone's doing, I'll give you a couple examples. If someone's doing heroin, you don't want to do heroin with them just so that you can have an attachment to them so that you can then share Christ with them. If someone's going and getting drunk in a bar every night, it's one thing to go and sit in the bar and talk to them about life and Jesus, uh, but don't get hammered with them. And if you do it every night, you're probably going to end up right there where they are. So be careful of that. So, And remember, we don't want to hate the sinner. We just want to address the sin. And if people don't believe that they have a sin problem, then they're not going to believe that they need a solution, that they need a prescription, right? So it's very important that people understand that they're sinners and desperate sinners who can't get to heaven, not by their deeds, not by being graded on a curve or them thinking they're a good person. That's not how it works. We need to understand, and you can one simple way to show people is just show them the Ten Commandments, right? What do you think about these Ten Commandments? Do you think these are good, that we shouldn't worship any other gods, that we shouldn't idolize ourselves, that you shouldn't commit adultery, lie, steal, covet, etc.? Honor your mother and father. And just about everybody will say, yeah, those are probably pretty good mottos to live by. And then you say, have you kept all ten perfectly? And at first they may say, well, I made a broken one or two. And then you can show them. You can say, well, have you ever had anger for anyone in your life? Uh, a parent, a sibling, a spouse, a kid, a co-worker? And of course they'll say yes. Well, then you've committed murder because God says if you have anger in your heart, then you've committed murder. How about adultery? Have you ever looked at another person with lust? It, it doesn't mean you have to step outside of marriage and do something. If you're not married or married or have never been married or any of the situation, have you ever looked at someone else with lust because God calls that adultery? Have you ever told any lie in your entire life? I don't care how small it is, right? Because uh, half, half truth is a whole lie. And they're going to recognize, yes, okay, I'm a liar too. So you're a liar, an adulterer, you covet, you idolize, you dishonor your parents, you uh, a murderer, all these things. So now what? Now how are you forgiven? How, do you, how are these sins taken away? Well, they're only taken away by the Lamb of the world, by God himself who died in your place on that cross as your substitute. So... Um, just a great reminder for all of us to know that if we're going to address someone's salvation issue, we got to help them understand that they have a sin problem and that they can't get into heaven, no matter what they do, except for by grace through faith. And here it says, so come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Verse 5, for her sins have reached to heaven. It's kind of like the Tower of Babel. They built this tower and they wanted to reach it up to heaven where it got so high. But it got so high and so bad that God said he was coming down to mess up that idolatry because they were trying to worship themselves. So he confused their language and scattered them. And that's where we get languages from around the world from um, so that they couldn't speak to each other. And they went about their own ways and scattered them uh, because they were weaker apart from each other. And then it says, And God remembered, God has remembered her inequities. God doesn't forget. God doesn't need to all of a sudden remember like, oh, I forgot about that. Like you tell me a story. I'm you know sitting around with a buddy from childhood or whatever, or two years ago, it doesn't matter. They're like, hey, do you remember that time we went to so-and-so? I'm like, nope. 
don't remember it. There, yeah, you know, remember it was this and this. It was a sunny day on the day before Christmas, and no, I can't remember. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, okay, I think I remember. That's how our memory works. God doesn't have a memory like that. God's memory is infinite and perfect. He doesn't forget. And it's not like he forgets your sins. It's that he sees Jesus in your place. All of your sins have been put, that debt has been put on Jesus' account. And Jesus paid the price for your debt. So you're fully forgiven. It's like someone who is, you know, the closest explanation, not explanation, um, symbolic gesture, I guess you would say to this, that I've witnessed in this life is, a president pardoning someone. You know, the last couple of days of office, the president pardons, I don't know, 10 or 20 or 30 people or whatever it is. And it's just saying, you're out of jail. You're free. Your slate is wiped clean. It doesn't matter what anybody says. Anybody can point their finger at you and say whatever they want. But what I'm saying in my declaration is what matters is that your slate is clean. And that's as similar as, similar as I can find to, to something that helps us understand what God is doing. He's pardoning us. Why? And he's also the ransom, if you want to put it in those terms. Someone who gets kidnapped and you pay the ransom, say the million dollars to get that person back and hope that they actually don't just keep the million and kill that person. They actually deliver, deliver that person to you after you pay the money. Well, God, Jesus was our ransom. He gave himself up to the enemy to be crucified on the cross, a horrible, nasty death, so that we could be set free. And then it's that grace by, that grace through faith, that great substitution where we're declared righteous. We're not righteous. No matter what we do, we're not righteous. We're declared righteous because God sees Jesus when he sees us if we've accepted Jesus. And in verse 6, render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed mixed double for her so this might render itself to suggesting that this is not uh, Jesus but actually an angel talking um, or God talking to an angel about this render to her just as she has rendered to you and repay her double according to her works so let's Take a look at this word repay, for example. Let's think about the believer first. For a believer, the first inheritance when you accept Jesus is eternal life. Your slate is wiped clean. You're considered holy. You're declared righteous so that you can be in the presence of a holy God who cannot be around a sinful person. And one sin keeps you away in the presence of God Almighty forever. But that blood covers you, and he declares you righteous. That's that grace. That's its justice and its grace and its mercy all blended together. It's like a judge if you say, well, there's this judge, and he sentences every person who's guilty to the maximum sentence. You say, that's a just judge. He's giving them that person their just uh, punishment. And then there's a, another judge who is lets everybody go. All the guilty, all the innocent, lets everybody go and says, ah, you know what? I think you've learned your lesson being in lockup for 24 hours. You're free. I know you've raped. I know you've murdered. Uh, I know you've stolen. But you just go free. 
Go have a nice life. That would be mercy, but there'd be no justice there. So God is a perfect blend. He blends them all together. And he says, here's justice. If you're guilty, if you've committed one sin, you're guilty. You are declared guilty and you can never be in my presence. But then he offers this mercy. And he says, but I won't give you the full punishment if you accept Jesus, my son, as your Lord and Savior. And then that grace comes in and he says, not only that, not only will I forgive that, but I am going to give you eternal life, eternal riches, more than Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, Warren Buffett, all these guys combined, combined and multiplied times a million. Your riches and wealth, everything on this earth pales in comparison to that. Your eternal life, not eternal condemnation. Just accept my son. So those are the, but remember that there's also rewards beyond this life and beyond eternal life based on what we did on earth. So we can have a huge inheritance beyond our first inheritance of eternal life. Although we can't lose our first inheritance of eternal life because it's eternal, right? Doesn't that make sense? Some people ask that. And I asked that in the past. It's like, can you lose your salvation? Can you lose your eternal life? No. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Well, if it's eternal, everlasting life, then it can't be cut short. So if you accepted Jesus, you have eternal life. You can't lose it. But if there's no fruit in your life, if you're not just plowing after Jesus and wanting to tell people about him and wanting to pray and get into his word, then it's a good sign that you're probably not born again, that you're not a Christian who's going to go to heaven. You're not a Christ follower. So I encourage you to do that because the deeds, the works should flow with abundance after you realize what God has done for you and you have that gratitude and you appreciate that grace and you can sit and enjoy that peace because now you've experienced the grace of God. So it's the fruit that is so important because it's how other people get to see the hand, see Jesus because they get to see that you are the hands and feet of Jesus in this life. So all this goes to say, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, right? God remembered her inequities. He remembered her sins. The Jewish law of retribution was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And that was in a, a court system, meaning for justice, not taking vengeance out yourself for vengeance belongs to God but this is in a judicial context where you would you know someone who violates the law would be punished in accordance with the law and and um uh, you know in proper retribution so if you know, there's a different sentence for someone who stole a thing of candy there's just someone who may have uh, stolen a million dollars versus someone who may have raped or murdered someone for example they carry different sentences. And that was all the way back from Abraham, and it's continued today. So if you remember this, if you mess with Israel, you mess with God, which is why you don't want to be against Israel. You don't want to be one of these anti-Semites. And there's a lot of people in the United States, even politicians, and a lot of people around the world who just hate Israel. And that's because Satan wants them to hate Israel. So a lot of these people that they're talking about uh, here they live luxuriously on earth, and they already received their treasure. They got their treasure on earth, but there won't be a treasure for them in heaven. Uh, those who keep their life will lose it. And those who give up their life for Jesus will gain <coughs> gain eternal rewards. So here we are. We'll finish this out in verse 6. 
And it says, repay her double. The penalty and payment for their atrocities is twice as bad as how they treated God and his followers. So if you look around at someone today and you say, oh, this politician, this group, this person, this person in my family, this friend of mine who I thought was a friend, they're treating me awful. They're uh, ousting me from our social network. They're, they fired me. Uh, my family won't speak to me because I love Jesus. Um, I've lost friends, money, whatever over it. Well, just know that God is promising right here that they will get repaid double according to their works. And this is speaking of uh, religious Babylon, but also is applicable to people who reject Jesus. It says, in the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. So there's going to be a double repayment to religious Babylon for this false religion and to those who partake in it and to those who reject Jesus just as a whole. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this medium um, to learn together. I learn as I uh, teach and study, and hopefully people are learning as we go through this. Help everybody understand there could be different points of revelation we have different interpretations on. Totally fine. Uh, you, you'll reveal the truth to us in, in heaven, and none of it's going to change the fact that you are God, your Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You sent your Son to be born of a woman, to die on a cross, to live a sinless life, to rise from the dead, to take our punishment upon Him. He became sin for me. He became sin for all those Today, Lord, help us to understand that and appreciate that and know that when we're saved, we are born again. We are a Christ follower, a Christian, and our deeds and works should reflect you. They're not going to perfectly do that because we're going to still sin. I sin every day, Lord, and please help me not to. And thank you for your forgiveness of my sin. Help us to look more like you so that other people can see you through us. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Daily Verse by Verse. We want you to be prepared in season and out of season to study the whole counsel of God so that you can share with people who Jesus is through your actions so that you have the right to tell them who Jesus is so that they can come to know Jesus or come to know Jesus better. We strongly encourage you to share this message, this podcast on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, message, email someone who you think could benefit from it. It's an easy way for you to go out and witness to the world just by sharing this podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.